Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific shares are trading lower this morning. Tokyo is the worst performer following data showing that business sentiment in Japan has soured. The Nikkei is trading down nearly 1.5%. Seoul is up 1%. And Sydney is treading water near the flat line. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Ryan Huang, did you hear that Will had to give his Oscar back? Oh, okay. What's going on? April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right though because it is quite believable that they could make a U-turn. Okay, so that's not news, all right? I was just wanting to prank Ryan before he pranked me. All right, right, let's go. The first quarter of 2022 is now history. And if you had asked yourself three months ago, which market will be one of the best performing in the world, what would you have answered? Would you have looked close to home right here in Singapore, in fact? Well, it's true. The Straits Times Index has outperformed Wall Street, major European markets, as well as Hong Kong, Tokyo, Sydney, Seoul and Shanghai. Despite succumbing to some selling pressure yesterday, Today, the STI has clocked a 9% gain for the first three months of the year. Wall Street, on the other hand, was in the red as it recorded its first quarterly loss in two years. So it hasn't been smooth sailing for STI all this year. We saw a big drop in February, early March, but the blue chip index has bounced back. It is trading near its highest level of the year. So, Ryan, what do you think is behind the renewed interest in Singapore stocks? Yeah, that is in contrast, like you pointed out, to the fortunes of Wall Street, 9% in the first quarter versus over 4% of a drop for the Dow and S&P 500. And for the Nasdaq, it was down by over 9%. So that is really showing how strong the STI has been performing in the past three months. And you have a couple of reasons. One is the STI is very heavily weighted by banks and banks are expected to perform well and that is with the prospects of higher interest rates. The other big factor is REITs and that is where you have the prospects of just more things happening in terms of business activity picking up, border restrictions opening, people going back to the office, tourism going to pick up again with borders reopening. So all these factors have been lifting REITs um, quite strongly. And if you look at the IHS REIT index, it was up 5.2% for March. And if you include dividends, that'll be 5.3%. So REITs were one of the um, drivers for the SI's performance in the uh, most recent month and kind of offsetting the jitters around the Ukraine war and around... Many jitters. Actually, it's been quite an eventful three months. Has indeed. If we look at other Asian markets, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Seoul, Shanghai, they were all in the red for the first three months. Of the major indices, really only Sydney managed to eke out again. That was just half a percent. So why do you think Singapore has done so much better than its peers in the region? Yeah, if you look at Singapore, it does have a lot of things going for it, right? You've got the REITs hub um, uh, name, you've got the banks as well, and also its reputation as a bit of a safe haven play. So investors, when they think about you know, getting dividends and a safe place to park their money, they will usually think of Singapore. And that is versus, I guess, relatively to other markets where you have, for example, in China and Hong Kong, lots of geopolitics reasons happening there. Hmm. You've got COVID-19 playing out in China as well with the COVID-0 strategy still weighing on sentiment. So that has been one of the many headwinds facing other markets. So Singapore 
looking like a better place, at least um, th- so far this year. Okay, and now the $100,000 question this morning. Do you think the SDI can maintain and build on these gains as we enter the second quarter? Will somebody please take the, the, the gate that he likes to sit on his fence, Ryan's fence away? <laughs> I was going to sit on a fence, but now it's taken away. <laughs> I would lean towards uh-huh. yes. And this is with the view that we have rates going up and maybe even more aggressively than we might expect. And of course, DBS... UOB and OCBC are going to benefit from higher rates. And if you look at where we are right now, for those uh, three local banks, uh, OCBC for the past three months is up 8.6%, DBS up 9.7%, and UOB up 19%. So you have banks already pricing in to some extent the upcoming rates, but I think there could be more to come, so something to look out for. All right. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the major U.S. indices have registered their worst quarter since March 2020 when the pandemic really was just beginning. Tech stocks have suffered the brunt of the selling. In fact, nearly $2 trillion U.S. dollars worth of market cap has been erased. In terms of worst performers, which tech stocks have that glory, I guess? <laughs> glory. Um, I'm not sure if you Ignominous want to call glory. it glory, but um, <laughs> Facebook is the victim of a sell-off in the first quarter and we've seen how tech has been under pressure with the Nasdaq down 9%. If you look at Facebook, it dropped more than $300 billion in valuation. So Mark Zuckerberg, not as rich as before, but still quite a rich guy, but um, he's not going to lose sleep over it. But it is reflective of how tech has been under pressure and you have headwinds like more regulatory concerns and typically... Higher rates, not good news for growth names where you have investors rotating away from growth stocks to other places. Mm. So there's been pressure for a lot of tech companies. And just for some context, if you look at Facebook's market cap decline, it is more than the actual market cap of Walt Disney. And you have um, also that bigger than Cisco Systems and Oracle. So that's how big Facebook is and how big the drop was. If you look at some of the other losers alongside Facebook, you've got Etsy, PayPal, Ceridian Keysight and Match Group, as well as Carrier, American Waterworks, Otis Worldwide. So these are among the biggest losers. And right at the top, we mentioned Etsy down 43% for the first quarter. PayPal down 38%. So that is um, big losses for tech. I'm not sure if they can um, come back anytime soon. As you mentioned, Facebook, Etsy, PayPal, other stay-at-home darlings are among the most sold of stocks. So some analysts think Etsy is going to get a boost from the buy-the-dip crowd. And we had a Market View Minute about that two weeks ago, which you can still download, by the way, on Spotify or Audio. Meanwhile, it hasn't been rough going for every sector. I mean, which stocks do you think have made the biggest gains? Think about it. Think about it. What's hmm. in the news? In the news. Oil and gas. Oil and gas. Yeah, You're right. Right. So, Absolutely. So which companies in this sector have really been making the biggest moves? If you look at that sector, the energy sector was up around 40% in the first quarter. Imagine that. 40%. Wow. So that's how much prices have been lifting the stock prices of these stocks involved in the uh, industry. So if you look at some of the top names, um, one of the familiar ones would be Occidental Petroleum. And it's in the headlines recently because Warren Buffett has been buying quite a bit of the stock. And if you look at its stock price, it is around 98% higher than where it was 
when we started the year. That is almost double. So that is um, something that's really paying off for Warren Buffett. And you have oil fuel services companies like Holly Button and Baker Hughes also among the top gainers. They are up around 70 to 60%. So that is um, something to watch out for as we continue to see pressure on energy prices. All right. Speaking of oil, the Biden administration is going to start selling the U.S. strategic reserves. It plans to release 1 million barrels a day. OPEC plus nations will also increase production. The moves are designed to stem a rise in oil prices linked to Russia's invasion of Ukraine and also the subsequent boycott of some Russian products. So what are analysts saying? Will these moves be enough to halt the rising price of oil? Yeah, it's quite a big move and it is, for context, probably the biggest release of reserves from the SPR, 180 million barrels total. So that's around six months' worth of 1 million per day. And the closest it was... um, in terms of um, numbers, was 50 million and 30 million also in the past six months as they tried to keep a lid on prices. So normally, Washington relieves oil from SPR when it goes through some local disasters, emergencies, natural mm. disasters to just uh, tie things over. So it's done so over 20 times, most of the time at small scales, around 1 million barrels. So for it to release 180 million barrels is quite a big move. And we saw prices retreat to some extent. Um, Oil prices down around 7% for WTI to trade around $100 per barrel. So in the near-term reaction, we did see some investors thinking, hey, it might do some help. But then if you start to look at how it might play out in the longer term, you have some analysts saying it's not going to do enough because you have a couple of reasons like OPEC Mm -hmm. not joining the party. They are sticking to their plan of gradual hikes and they are looking at 432,000 in May at their latest meeting. So not joining the US party. Uh, If you look at what's playing out as well, the US eventually will need to replace what it took out from SPR, possibly at higher prices. So that is another fact to look out for. So it could be down in the near term and up in the longer term. Brent crude currently trading at around 108 US dollars a barrel. West Texas a bit above 100 dollars. Now the US Strategic oil reserves, meanwhile, were set up about 50 years ago following the Arab oil embargo back in the early 1970s. This could spell some trouble for Biden's plans. How so? Yeah, so imagine so much oil. Where do you put it? Underground. So that's where they built this massive tank and oil storage um, network. And alongside it, lots of pipes. And all these things were built in the early 1970s. So try to modernize a cave. Wow, the time before many things, smartphones, Mm. internet, I'm not sure what else uh, was missing back then, but it's very old. So this was designed back then in the aftermath of the Arab oil embargo and was designed with a relatively short lifespan of 25 years and we are already more than 20 years past that lifespan. So this is going to put it to the test. Uh, If you look at some of the recent studies back in 2016, uh, they were looking at the SPR effectively only able to distribute at most 2.56 million barrels per day. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, 280,000 barrels per day. So for the US to talk about putting 1 million barrels per day, it's going to be a bit of a question about how much of the um, strain the network can take. So we will see if that can play out. 
All right, time for corporate news. Yesterday on the show, we talked about Keppel's plans to monetize its assets. And today we have a fresh sign about just how it's going about this strategy. What is it selling, Ryan? Okay, so Keppel is, or the Keppel TNT, is selling its entire stake in Keppel Logistics. So this includes the likes of Urban Fox. If you go on Shopee to buy stuff, you might see that name. Hmm. Um, it's selling it for $80 million. So all part of its 2030 plan to simplify and focus its business. And we've seen Keppel really stepping up on aligning its business or streamlining it to some extent. One deal that Keppel would like to make, though, is not proceeding as quickly as it might like. It's been nine months since Keppel announced a proposed merger of its offshore and marine unit with Semcorp Marine. How's the deal progressing, really? I guess you could say it's doing okay. If you look at the type of message coming through, they are both sides saying they are making significant progress, but more time and deliberation is needed to work towards the proposed merger. And this is after nine months when they first surfaced, they were talking about merging and they now are saying they need more time to do due diligence, uh, reach mutual agreement on transaction terms, and finalize definitive legal documentation. So it sounds like a lot of paperwork, a lot of people have to stay back in the office uh, to work towards what they say will be a definitive agreement by the end of this month. Some more time needed, reportedly. All right, time now for a quick game of up or down. Let's open our books, Ryan, and look at the meme stock favorite GameStop, up or down. All right, I'm going up. And this is off investors cheering the news of it calling for a stock split. So you want to split the stock to give itself the more flexible option of giving away a stock as a bit of a dividend. So cutting it down to smaller pieces. I agree with you. Up for me as well. GameStop shares are up nearly 17% in after-hours trade following news that it is, it is indeed planning a stock split. Fantasy book authors. All right, this will be an up for me. So this is around the headline A fantasy author, Brendan Sanderson's Kickstarter campaign has raised $41.7 million. <gasps> Unbelievable You should start one, Michelle You are so right, Ryan I couldn't agree with you more What are you waiting for? Um, I'm not sure I mean, this man was hoping to raise 1 million And his fans have contributed more than 40 million You have fans? I don't know (laughs) I Actually, I just met one last night Yeah, he'll cough up some money for you (laughs) Let me ask him All right, Alexa Shoppers are going to love this one Yeah, I think this was a long time coming right now Alexa will tell you when items in your Amazon cart or wishlist is on sale. Quite clever, right? Dangerous. If you put something there, hey, your toothpaste is now cheaper. You know, get it now. AliExpress already does that. Does it talk to you? Yeah, that's true. It doesn't. <laughs> your it sleep. pops up. Oh gosh, no thanks. Let's turn to Singapore now. 20 minutes into the local trading day, the Straits Times Index fell 1% yesterday to 34.08. Jardine Matheson and the trio of local banks led the market lower. So how's the STI looking this morning, Ryan? Is it looking any brighter? And are investors still selling off though? Yeah, it snapped a six-day winning streak yesterday with that 1% drop. So where we are right now is a bit of green, higher slightly by 0.1%. But we have to bear in mind that the regional market is under pressure. Most Asian markets are in the red. So for now, it is 
threading water. And if you look at where we are for the 30 constituents, pretty much split across the middle at the bottom, we have the banks. DBS leading the way down 1.1%. And this could also be uh, alongside the news that it is not looking to offer crypto trading services to retail customers in the near future. So this according to CEO Pish Gupta in his um, AGM yesterday. So a bit of a U-turn of his stance when it did say it would do so by the end of this year. So UOB alongside the drop down by 0.3%, not as much. OCBC also down 0.2%. Um, other names at the bottom, Tybev, SATS, SIA. So that is a bit of a reflection of people taking profit from some of these names which have been going up with the border reopening. Okay, looking at the top of the table, you've got Jardine Matheson, it's up 3.2%. And you've got Hong Kong Land, Dairy Farm, Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust, as well as Singtel. Uh, worth noting, Singtel in the news, um, they are um, buying something in Australia. So that's around a infrastructure tower for telco assets alongside Australian Super. So something to track in the day ahead. All right, thanks very much, Ryan Huang. So as you just heard, DBS Digital Exchange, it was launched back in 2020. It is a members-only exchange available to the institutional, the accredited investors. Uh, DBS saying it's not going to extend crypto trading to retail consumers in the near future. You'll probably hear more about that in our business news. We're about 10 minutes away from that. And this afternoon, I'll be hosting a webinar over at National University of Singapore, and we are demystifying cryptocurrency. And I'm sure we're going to touch on this as well. I think you still have time to sign up. It's probably free. Um, so Google NUS Office of Risk and Compliance and find out more there. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.